Zach, you have something in your eye. You should probably get that out. Dude, what are you talking about? Welcome to Debarring Up. Here's the plank in my eye. I don't think Zach has an actual speck in his eye. For those listening, only on the podcast, not on Facebook, on the video, I had a plank in my eye. Do a little knock on that so they can there you go. hear it. Ouch, <laughs> kind of hurt. Over-aggressive <laughs> knocking. Um, welcome in to Bear It Up. It is a beautiful evening here in Texas. We're about to get a nice cold front come through. Um, but as always, I am Logan Bruce, joined over there in Moultrie, Georgia, by Zach Griffin. Zach, how are you this evening? I am just wonderful. Um, yep. We are getting ready for Halloween. It's coming up. Yes. So this weekend. Yeah. When this and, episode uh, airs, it'll just be a few days. Yeah. Now, do you know, I guess they're probably, I feel like most places they're doing trick-or-treating on Saturday. Uh, because Sunday is actually Halloween. Right. Um, so, I don't know. And this is the maybe the second time, maybe the third in my memory, that Halloween fell on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time was really when trunk or treating became big. Now every year, no matter when Halloween is, everybody does it. Every church does it. And, uh, <laughs> if you have a good calendar and you're smart, you can get a bunch of them. Oh yeah. 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 Get them all timed <laughs> That's out. That's right. We've already, I mean, we've up. already got a list of two or three and we're like, we're going to Wednesday night. It was that one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take Graham out and, uh, do some trunk or treating on on Saturday, nice. so that'll be good. Anyway, enough Halloween talk. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get um, into as it. you know, faithful listeners, uh, we're going through the well. That's another episode. Um, we've had a few good ones. We've had some really good ones, um, and now we're on episode way back in episode twenty eight. So approximately twenty episodes ago, eighteen episodes ago, we wow. had episode twenty eight. And there was actually two in that episode, so if you go back and listen to that episode, you'll catch two. Um, but the one we're going to talk about today is how do we become better mirrors for other people? And, you know, we have in parentheses, moving past the log in our eye, or maybe even sometimes in their eye. Um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 primarily this evening, um, which is where that takes place. And I want to, we're going to read that verse, but... This is a big verse, in my opinion, that you absolutely cannot take out of context. Um, a lot of times we'll quote this verse and we'll quote this verse, and I, I've seen graphics, people drawing cartoons out of this verse, and it's hilarious, mm-hmm. just like this, sticking out of my eye. But um, but it's got to be read in context. So I wanted to say all that as we dive in. So, Zach, I know you turned there, but what prelude, 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 introductionary comments do you have to this passage um yeah i think with that i just agree that we need to keep context in mind uh you know that you can tell a whole story with a political cartoon uh but even that does not tell the whole real story behind it all uh i think that this can uh be used in ways that was not intended for um and uh, and so we have to kind of look back and 
and see uh, the grander picture that Jesus is trying to get across. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think context is key, uh, as with any passage of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's kind of my mantra whenever we're studying any Bible passage. But, uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of where I stand on it right now. I don't really want to get into explanation yet. No, you're good. Uh, so let's 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 take a look at this. And yeah, see. for sure. Well, I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, uh, Matthew chapter seven. I am going to read just verse four, and then I'm going to have Zach read a little more in a second. I don't know how much yet, but um, we're gonna we're gonna start small and then back up. So chapter seven, verse four. Or how can you say first of all? The scripture starts out, or immediately tells us that there is way more to this than just yeah. the first. But we will pretend that it doesn't. Well, not really pretend, but we're just going to read the passage. Or, how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye, or a plank of wood. Um, and then verse 5, which is also come together with this, hypocrite, and there's an exclamation point. And the Bible is not like texting when it comes to punctuation um i use an exclamation point pretty much all the time and you probably it probably makes sense for who i am i'm like always like exclamation point um <laughs> yeah but <laughs> when jesus uses an exclamation point here um and obviously that's somewhat into the interpretation of yeah the, mine of, doesn't of, have an explanation point. really anyway well i, I think i maybe it, maybe it does you know there's a little bit that's in the greek but you the, know, that's the word is intense i mean yes. Either way, you know, uh, the word hypocrite is not a word that you take lightly. Yes. So, yeah. But what Jesus goes on to say here is, first take the beam of wood out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. So it's called a beam of wood in this passage. Jack, what is it called in your translation? Uh, A log. A log, a plank, a beam. I mean, your your image is a two-by-four. And when I was a kid, I was like, that's ridiculous. Jesus wouldn't use such an outlandish example, would he? But that's the entirety of the point, is that it is so outlandish that that's what's going on. <laughs> what's that called again? A hyperbole? Is that is that right? I don't know. Sure. I think it's called a hyperbole. <laughs> we'll roll with that. Um, but at any rate, um, you know, it's, it's this extreme example of a beam of what a two-by-four in your eye. And... I don't think that it's unintentional, um, but we, you know we'll, we're going to step back in just a second, look at the broader context of this, and I might even go back into chapter six for some context. But Zach, what you know? How how? Let's ask this question first. How can this be taken out of context? Um, well, it it could get into the uh, idea that um, uh, one, we're never supposed to judge ever. Uh, we're never supposed to look at someone and say, "Hey, you need to get your life right." Right. Um, you know, so it could be used in that same uh, vein. And in the context, we've got that other verse that's taken very much out of context. Um, verse one: mm-hmm. uh, "Do not judge, so that you will not be judged." Right. So people take that and they're like, "Do not judge me," and so they they look at this whole. You know, verses 3 through 5, really. You know, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Um, And then verses 4 and 5, it's just kind of like, you know, 
who are you to say anything to someone else when you yourself have things to work on? Right. Therefore, you should never say anything about anybody's faith or anything about how they should grow or anything that they need to repent of or anything of that nature. Uh, we're just not to judge at all. We're not to be involved in each other's lives as far as transformation or change or repentance or anything because, and, and there's a whole theology built off of this idea. It's the, I'll have Jesus, but not the church mentality. Right. I will, I will, you know, my relationship with God is my relationship with God. And you are to, to go over there and have your relationship with God and have it all by yourself. And we're not connected at all. But in the scriptures, that's, that's just not the case. I mean, the body of Christ, um, Romans chapter 12 describes us as, and this is such intimate language, we are members of one another. And that is an intimate kind of exchange where it's not, I mean, yes, we each have our own relationship with God, and yes, we each are responsible for our own salvation. You know, nobody can be saved on your behalf. Um but we're also not an island. No, no one, no man is an island. Right. Uh, and and so uh, there's a whole theology built off of like taking passages like this and are just saying this. This is evidence that I'm just supposed to be all by myself, and you can't say anything about my faith or that I need to change or challenge me or anything at all. Um, well, and that so. could go for any number of things. Um, that's exactly. A, that's a good example. Yeah. Um, but basically, the idea of taking a passage out of, especially like this, um, mm -hmm. passages get taken out of context left and right. There are whole doctrines created around passages being taken out of context. And so it's something that we have to be very careful of. And the way that we do that, in this humble Christian's opinion, is we treat it like a pot of gumbo. Okay, bear with me. All right? I love gumbo. Okay. We're out here in East Texas. Uh, people make gumbo. Not like they do in Louisiana. Throwing that out there. But um, when you have gumbo, the idea is you've got tons of ingredients. The reason I like it so much is because good gumbo is going to have shrimp, might have crawfish, it's going to have sausage, it's going to have chicken. And I can take one bite of sausage and say, woo, this is hot, this is hot. I, I can't eat any more of this, it's too hot. But if I were to take one bite of shrimp, guess what, the shrimp's not naturally hot. So not maybe like the sausage that was put in. Or I could take a bite of chicken, or I could take a bite of the peppers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if I fail to take a bite of the whole thing as a whole, I'm missing the idea of the gumbo. Yeah, And that is the same, especially with Matthew 7, 1 through 6, big time. If I take one little portion out of this, because the way you said it, and this is what triggered my, this thought, do not judge so that you won't be judged. I could take that little nugget. Don't judge so you won't be judged. That's a yeah. verse. That's a verse. However, it goes on to say, for you will be judged by the same standard that you judge others with. Yeah. So there's more context to it. There's more into it. Uh, in verse 5, you could quit and read hypocrite first take the beam of wood out of your own eye you could stop right there you would be grammatically incorrect and also scripturally incorrect but yeah. if you kept reading it would say then 
you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Not take the plank out of your own eye and hope your brother gets the speck out of his own eye. Yeah. It's not how that works. It, right. There is there is actually, he in the text, says, then you can do this. Correct. <laughs> um, you know, I like the gumbo analogy. Mm-hmm. And something that actually happened tonight was we had beef stroganoff. It's a good and anything, Graham, really. Graham, he doesn't eat anything that's mixed. And he mm-hmm. doesn't like sauces and stuff. Yeah. He likes it all separated. So what we did was kind of a... a my mom did this. I probably would not have done this for him because I'm like, just eat this. Grandmothers. <laughs> yeah. So, But she rinsed it off and separated the meat from the noodles. And he would eat it that way, but he wouldn't eat it mixed up and all together. Yeah. So I think that kind of got, kind of shows, and a lot of kids are like that. It's a yeah. maturity thing. It is. <laughs> you, you, can, you can start to delve into more, you know, different foods kids like things separated you know for the most part and you know and i think that's that's what happens on a spiritually immature level too uh you you take little pieces here and there and you fail to see that there's a bigger picture um you know don't miss the point of the gumbo <laughs> right so you yeah miss the, I, I, the, you miss the larger palette the larger idea right yeah i'm sorry i interrupted you no, you're good. Um, and I just, I think that that is, that is very important. There is, a, there is a self-reflection step here that seems to be apparent. Look, you need to consider yourself before you start going and doing all of this, right? Verse 5 would indicate that. First, right, he uses first, take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take out the speck. So the first then, there's a process of how things should run um you know but does that necessarily mean that you're going to be perfect make sure you're perfect first is that what jesus is saying make sure you are perfect and then you can start helping other people is that what he's saying well and i think that that's why he uses such a crazy analogy right of this beam because yeah. I could hold this beam and I could walk around with it all day, but if I set it down at a wrong angle or I hold it right here, there's a spot, I would get a splinter. Mm-hmm. That beam would no longer be in my hands, but now the splinter is. So just because you've completely removed the major problem does not mean there may not be symptoms left. The yeah. idea is that this, there's this major thing, and for those of you just listening, I'm now holding this over my eye. There's this major <laughs> thing that's blocking my vision to be able to see actually clearly. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't and haven't looked into this or don't even know this is a thing, you have a dominant eye. Mine is my right eye. Um, you, you want to identify your dominant eye for when you're shooting, um, going to shooting range or hunting. But if my dominant eye is capped, I, I lose pretty much all depth perception. I can have some depth perception with just my right eye, but I have zero depth perception with just my left eye. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea is when something is blocked, my vision is now blocked. And I can't really see clearly. So how am I supposed to be able to help somebody if I can't myself see clearly? Right. Yeah. And I like I like that you brought that up too. Mm-hmm. You know, with the log, you just can't see out of that eye. Yeah. And and something that's that's true too, he says, first take out the log of your own eye. But the reality oftentimes is that as, as we work on the things that we struggle with, 
and we have some hypocrisy perhaps you know sometimes we don't change overnight you know we don't just make a realization and there's just this immediate change that happens sometimes we whittle it down and whittle it down as we are being transformed right as we're changing and becoming more and more like Christ so again I feel like at that point and perhaps even if it is just meant to just take it and remove it there's a, there is a spiritual maturity that has to take place right um the the major idea about this passage i think is is that word hypocrite right hypocrisy because i mean think about the the religious leaders at the time if we skip over to to Matthew 23 and all of the different things that you know the seven woes of the Pharisees and the scribes and and it's just like what makes you think that you can live this way I mean like everything everything that's listed there has some kind of hypocrisy yeah you know and it's just like but the truth is is that it's not just the Pharisees it's not just the scribes you know it's all of us I feel like some at some point in time deal with this because and we all do because one if you're Christian you say you know I'm gonna live after God and then you turn around and you sin and and so like there's this struggle that we all deal with and being a little bit hypocritical yeah um, but there comes a time when we grow to a, a spiritually mature level that we are able to recognize one, those things in ourselves, right? And that's part of this too. It's like, you know, you see this in their eye, but you don't even realize that you have this huge thing, this huge burden, this, you have a log a plank mm -hmm. sticking out of your eye you're not addressing this yeah and so as we mature it's like we're able to see those things a little bit more clearly i think a lot of it has to do with that and then verse six we haven't even addressed that he says hold on zach i'm gonna stop you right there if you don't okay. mind i would like we'll for us, i would like for us to read the whole uh section here um verses okay. one through six and then i want you to dive in on chat on verse six if you don't if you're good with that sure okay, okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna have zach read verses one through six of chapter seven um this is kind of the bigger context um you know and, and I, I was looking at this here and i you know there's there is a greater context with the sermon on the mount but it kind of there there is a pretty distinct break right here and that's why we have the beginning of chapter seven so i'm gonna have zach read verses one through six of chapter seven so we can get kind of a bigger picture we need a bigger bite of gumbo than just yeah. this one little piece so zach if you'll read one through six for us okay so i'm reading from the new american standard bible um do not judge so that you will not be judged for in the way you judge you will be judged and by your standard of measure it will be measured to you why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet, and turn and tear you to pieces. So that is a very interesting verse at the very end. Mm -hmm. You know, what does it have to do with what we're talking about? Right? That's well, that's a big question. And it's blatantly <laughs> clear that it's flows right in. It's not like Jesus had like a brain fart and just decided to throw this line in as a part of this. This is clearly a part of this. So how does this fit into the context? Right. It's like a sub parable. Correct. <laughs> with a parable. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like another step of of uh, exegesis that has to take place. Yes. It's like you're diving even deeper in, into all of this. Um, so there seems to be, um, you, you, you've got this sort of, it seems like it's divided in parts here. You've got first, don't judge, uh, others lest you be judged. Um, and with the kind of judgment that you use, it's going to be measured back to you. Right. Now, moving into the, the log and the speck or the plank and the, the, uh, you know, splinter or whatever you, your translation says, it seems to me that there is a level of grace that you should stand upon others. If we think about how God is going to judge us, we're going to be judged in the same manner that we judge others, then we should be merciful, right? Yep. We should be merciful. We should extend grace to other people, be Absolutely. forgiving. Yep. Um, you know, if, if that's how indeed the Lord judges. And that moves into this whole, you know, you're looking and you're seeing this small defect in a brother when you yourself have some things that you need to work on. And then it moves into this verse 6 and it's like, okay, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine and they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. It does appear as though it's out of left field. It um, does. And I think a lot of times the the easy thing to bring and, and the, the explanation that we give to maybe a kid who's read this for the first time is, you know, don't, and I think it's applicable, so stay with me. <clears throat> it's not bad. I'm just saying it's what we give as a toss away. Um, you know, don't put your time and don't give too much of your time. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, even Jesus said, don't waste your time on people who are not going to accept the gospel. Brush the dust off your feet and move on. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a similar, similarly to what's going on here. Um, but I want to back up and read verse 5. He says, Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. So there's this idea of what is the gospel, what is holy, what is pearl, what are the pearls, what are we talking about? Um, and I, I think that that's probably the truth. Um, in order for me to remove this plank out of my eye, you know, it's it's a funny thing. It's it's easy. We get something this big and it seems that that would be easy to remove. But something so big would take an extreme amount of strength, but it also take it would also leave a big hole. And so now that there's this hole in us and we've, we've finally, we've removed the plank from our eye and we've, we've gotten to this point where, Hey, I now can help others. Yeah. Don't, don't spend your pearls. Don't spend your, what is holy 
And my translation has a lowercase h, so it's not necessarily talking about God or the Holy Spirit. Um, don't give too much of your of who you are on a lost cause. And I say that with a big asterisk <laughs> because yeah. we don't get to decide who the lost cause is. Right. That's not up to me. That's up to that person. Um, but what Christ is saying here is if you have accomplished that removal of that plank and you have come out the other side, because a lot of times, folks, what happens is I remove that plank and I'm like, ow, I'm going to pop it right back in because it was way more comfortable with it in there. And we just pop it right back in. Mm-hmm. So I believe what Christ is saying here is a progression of once you've accomplished that huge monumental feat, don't just, don't burn yourself down giving things to the pigs or to the dogs. And I don't think he's necessarily, I think that can be sometimes come across as harsh. Um, And so I don't think he's necessarily saying people who, you know, these people over here are pigs. But I think the, the the summary is don't waste your time. And other places he says it more plainly, like just brush the dust off your feet and move on. And I think that that's basically what's going on here is you've accomplished this huge feat. You've accomplished this great thing. And, you know, the analogy comes to mind of if you're going to run with skunks, you're going to stink. Don't waste your time on dogs and pigs. Yeah. Figuratively and maybe literally. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the thing about it, too, is it, it, you say don't waste your time and... It, that that I guess that statement is true, but I think what we've got here is there's there's the progression. You have the plank in your eye, mm-hmm. it's removed, then you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. But when you go in the world, go into the world, there are other people. There are plenty of people with logs in their eye, mm-hmm. and that's what the that's what the pigs and the dogs are here. Yeah. They're just they're just ordinary people that were just like you at one point. And they have this log sticking out of their eye. Now, if we share the gospel with those individuals, they may not be ready for it. They, they, they may not. And, and in that sense, if you talk about the deep things of God with those individuals, the holy things, it's like it was no use to them because they weren't ready to receive them. Now, we're studying through First and Second Corinthians. I think I've brought that up several times in this book. We're now into Second or yeah in this in this podcast we've talked about it but we're in second corinthians now and it's it is a completely different church at that point and it's this is so this is a very completely different book yeah so in chapter 3 of first corinthians he says you know i wish i could talk to you like your spiritual people but you're not i can't i can't share with you spiritual things mm-hmm. but then what happens when you get to second corinthians they've matured They've repented of a lot of what they've done. They were they had godly sorrow yep. over what they had done, and they they matured greatly. So, what does Paul start doing in Second Corinthians? Basically, right off the bat, start sharing more intimate and more detailed and more deep spiritual things. <laughs> so, so it I don't think it's saying don't go to these people, right? But don't waste your time in the sense that, you know. Are you giving? Are you giving the the? Are you spending your time looking at all of the little nitpicky things when there's a big deal that you have to deal with first? Right. Right. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of nitpicky things that are important in the gospel and we'll, we'll challenge, right? I, I, I think I talked about this recently. Um, I would love to just talk about how great God is all the time and talk about all the blessings we have in God and that's just all I do at the pulpit. But that's not what we need. And, and it doesn't matter how spiritually mature the church is that I'm working with we're never going to get to the point where all we can all we can do is talk about how good God is and all of our blessings. At some point, I mean, I mean, there's never going to be a point when we get to that because we're always going to have to be challenged, and there's always going to be things that we need to work on, right? We can talk generally about following Jesus and you know striving to walk in the light and in wisdom and all those things, um, but then we can start talking deeper about you know. You'd be willing to sacrifice it all for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's Second Corinthians chapter three and yeah. chapter four. It's just like he wasn't ready to talk about those things with the spiritually immature. But when they were starting to grow, then they could kind of go a little bit further and talk about the more holier mm-hmm. uh, things. So another thing that make that makes me think about this is uh, we're doing a study on apologetics on Sunday nights, and this series is focused on meeting people who are agnostic or atheist. There's a certain way that they need to be approached. Yeah. Before you start talking about like the deity of Christ, (laughs) you know, start talking about like what he's done for us and what his blood does and all of that stuff. Like they'll just openly mock you for that. Either they're going to trample you underfoot and tear you to pieces. Yep. If you do that. So you've got to deal with the log issue first before you can, um, you know, before you can start diving in and, and get into those more holy things. So I think there's, there is a natural process here about, you know, judging others. It doesn't mean that, you know, no, we don't condemn. You know, we don't say that, you know, somebody's going to hell or anything like that. I, that's not what we're even talking about. I don't think this is what really he's. He's even discussing. He's talking about a log or a speck in your eye, right? Um, And so, but there's a process, and and I think all of this occurs as we as we mature, as we understand how the Lord judges, as as we ourselves reflect on how we would like the Lord to judge us. And I don't know. Now I'm rambling, but this is just kind of what I'm thinking here at the moment, and and. uh, it's it's interesting that Jesus kind of tacks on this little sub parable at is. the end. Yeah, um, it, it's very interesting, and it uh, it keeps it. I think it keeps it, um, it. It does exactly what Jesus does, and it keeps it keeps us on our toes. Uh, he's yeah. good at that, and he's good at just uh, having a little bit, a little bit, quite honestly, out of reach. Like you can't completely. You're not gonna be able to completely grasp this because if I really gave it to you, you wouldn't get it anyway. So I'm going to give you just a taste of the genius. Anyway, <clears throat> we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're going to dive more into the like, application of this. We've—I I feel like we've done a very good job unpacking this. So we're going to apply it. Whether you have a speck or whether you have a log, stick with us. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed the episode so far. We hope you stick around for the rest. Be sure to follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we do some things on there quite a bit. 
Uh, don't forget the Ministry League Network. We are partnered with them, and we want to shout them out because they shout us out, and uh, we're glad to be a part with them. Have a good day, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Alrighty, welcome back. Still got my plank here. Um, we've had some good discussions, Zach, uh, about you know what what Jesus is saying here in Matthew seven, um, and I want to kind of dive now into application. You know, applying this uh, because it's one thing to acknowledge where you're at. And I think a lot of times we're really good at acknowledging where we're at, but not having a plan, not being able to say, all right, this is my way forward. This is how I know, or this is how I'm going to, to fix what, uh, what I, what I can do, what, you know, what I can do to fix my plankness. Um, <clears throat> but here we are. So what are, t- I've got two ways, Zach, and I want to. I'm going to touch on them, and then I'm going to throw it back to you, um, and uh, see if you've got any um, other applications. If not, we'll, we'll kind of dissect these. Mm-hmm. Um, but my two applications, ways we can apply what we've done today. Application number one is we need to focus on ourselves first. Okay, um, and I think that that's pretty clear. I also think that that's pretty uh, easy, and I think it's something we say a lot, but I don't think it's something that's practiced very much, um, because yeah. this is difficult. <laughs> yeah. This is difficult. Um, it's very hard, because, I, I, I mean, there's there's people that'll say they're blue in the face. we got to focus on ourselves first, and they've got a plank in their eye, and they're not looking at, they're looking at everybody's specs, saying, fix your specs, <laughs> and they don't see it. Um but and the way to do that, to quite honestly, is for a while, not forever, but for a while, completely forget about everybody else's problems. And for some of you, that's going to be really, really hard. And I know <laughs> a lot of people who absolutely, I don't think they're capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, but if we completely forget about other people's problems and we only focus on what did I do today, how did I handle today? What did I say today? Um, the days I do that, I scare myself <laughs> because I don't, I don't always <laughs> like what I came back with. Um, sometimes it's like, okay, you, you, you did some good today. You know, you, you showed Christ today. Other times it's like, people probably don't even know you're a Christian, man. Like, like there's, there's times we have those days. Yeah. Um, you obviously want those days to, to be way outnumbered by the other, but. Right. Uh, but you know we have those days so but when we that's that's another topic there it is another one um but uh but when we focus on ourselves first when we come home at the end of the day and we look in the mirror we analyze ourselves. so we meditate we meditate mindfulness go back and listen to the last episode that's what this ties i mean that's really what this ties into very perfectly actually um when we're self-focused as opposed to others focused, we can accomplish so much more. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think that's, that, so that's my first application. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Zach, and, wanna... and we should be careful about that. I mean, like in the sense of the way that we, we live. Yes. We should be self-focused. That does not mean selfish. That does Correct. not mean self-seeking. That's not what that means at all. But it's, I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to do my part, 
And, you know, maybe, maybe at some point that means that I'm going to lead somebody by the hand out of their sin. You know, at the end of James chapter 5, um, you know, there's this great thing. You know, if anyone goes and they find their brother in sin and he brings him back from that sin, you know, he is he saved that brother. He saved him from 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 death, from the destruction of that sin. I mean, like that's something that we should all like not just have the privilege to do, but have the love to do and the you know, the compassion to do, you know, that um, you know, to seek the lost, not just those who have never come to Jesus, but those who have turned away from Jesus. Um, you know, to pull them back into faith. Yeah. But I think that this, the great way that we can focus on self first is to understand that there, there's a humility aspect of this that has to come first. And honestly, I feel like this should be the goal of every Christian on their personal level, on their faith level, on their... Um, in, in their journey to become more like Christ. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I love, the, I love this book so much. <laughs> I mean, I love the, all of the Bible, but uh, 2 Corinthians is one of the most personal letters that Paul writes. Um, you know, talking about his love for the brethren and his relationship and what he tries to do. But there's, there's another overarching theme in the book of second Corinthians and it's I Paul the apostle chosen my God am nothing I'm nothing and that doesn't mean that you're not valuable it doesn't mean that's not what he's focusing on here but in chapter 3 he says this starting in verse 5 not that we are adequate or sufficient in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves but our adequacy or our sufficiency is from God, mm-hmm. who also made us adequate as servants of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I think we already discussed that that passage before. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea, like if anyone could say that they were the best, is Paul, right? I'm the best. Like mm-hmm. I studied under the feet of Gamaliel. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Yep. I have everything in my favor. Not only to make me a great speaker, uh, you know, when he, I, I forgot exactly where he went, but when he was Bar- with Barnabas and, you know, Paul was the chief speaker and he, you know, they thought he was Hermes. Right. You know, um, you know, he had it all, but he uses a word here. He doesn't use, he doesn't use the word, you know, we are not magnificent in ourselves. <laughs> We are not astounding in ourselves. He uses the word adequate. Mm-hmm. Enough. Being enough. We are not being enough by ourselves. It is God that makes us enough. So, the, the reason why I bring this out, and it might seem like a rabbit trail here, is that there's a emptying of self that should take place. And I think that in order to get that log out of your eye, that's got to happen. Yeah. It's, it's a humility that has to take place that says, 
I'm going to allow God to dictate my steps. Your word is the lamp to my feet. I'm going to go in the direction that you have set for me, Lord, and I am going to follow you. I'm going to focus on myself first in the sense that I'm going to empty that self out and put Jesus there. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still going to maintain my personality. You know, I'm still Zach, right? But at the same time, it's the Galatians 2.20 attitude. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We have to, before we move any further in this discussion, we have to understand that there should be a holiness in our lives and about our lives because we are called to that. Our Father's holy, therefore you be holy. Right? You know, that is, is what we are seeking. And so... We have to approach things with humility as opposed to hypocrisy. If we go back to Matthew 7, there that, that seems to be the big issue, right? We want God to judge us mercifully. We want him to show grace on us, but we're going to be we're going to be judgmental. We're going to point out all the little little things. Yeah. And Maybe that's the log. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, maybe you know. Sometimes it it may be other things, but it's just like, no, we've got to approach God humbly, and and focus on on that self surrender first uh, before we move any further. Well, that that's the perfect segue to my second application, um, which is it's a piggyback off the first, and I'm gonna kind of go I'm going to talk about this for a second and then see if Zach has any other applications he wants to draw from today um, but the second application is that we need to be able to teach people from our life from our lives first and our words second um, you know that is <clears throat> I think that's really more of what the gospel is all about also and what yeah. Jesus did um, is that we we live right first um my goal should not be and i I was messed up on this quite honestly my goal when i when people ask me what's the goal of a christian i would say well it's to get to heaven and to bring people with me that's fine that's not a wrong answer but at the same time it is because my goal should be to live like jesus more today than i did yesterday and more tomorrow than i did today and till i'm no longer here and when we do that, we end up living our life in a way that teaches people without even having having to say a word. Yeah, it's the idea, and back to wood and back to sticks of Teddy Roosevelt when he said, "I'd rather," he said, "Speak softly and carry a big stick." You know, that's what the gospel is, but in a different way. Speak softly and act like Christ. Boom! Put that on a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> yeah. But speak second act like Christ first. And I think that's our application that we need to take from today. And we don't do that either. So those are the two applications I have. Zach, I want to throw it to you to see if you have any more comments on that. Also, if you have applications that you wanted to take from our talk, the the first half of the episode. So, okay. You're really opening me up here to, because I have lots to say. I'm going to try, I'm I'm going to try not to lecture and be preachy about it. No, you're good. But it's just set up so well. I feel like teach people through your life first. 
that is so that is so crucial mm-hmm. to who we are as a people, as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood. In that same context, that that Peter says that we are to keep our conduct among the Gentiles pure, so that when you know the day of visitation, when the gospel comes into their house, they may rejoice. Why will they do that? Because of our conduct, because of the way that we live. Yep. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 31, uh, he's getting ready to go to the cross. Um, and he says a lot of things here about loving the Father and how does God know that he loves you and or mm-hmm. that you love him in, in chapters 14 and 15. But he says this in verse 31 of 14. He says, but so the world may know that I love the Father I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here. He says, in order for everyone else to see that I love the Father, mm-hmm. I do exactly what he says. So, again, the first thing is, you know, that self-focus. We're in our relationship with God. We're pursuing that. We're emptying self and all of that. But there is a part of this that... that leads us to live a certain life for the purpose of reaching out to others. Um, teaching people with your words first and then your words second. Now, in the book of Malachi, there's this interesting, very interesting um, analogy mm-hmm. that God uses. Um, and what he does is God is sort of upset with his people after coming up out of um, out of Babylonian captivity and they're making these sacrifices to God like they're supposed to in the sense that they're making the sacrifices but they're giving God the leftovers they're giving God the very least they're giving him you know the the lambs that have blemishes and sicknesses and they're lame and they're not giving the best. Right? And God actually says in the book of Malachi, look around in the world. Do you think the people in the world are going to look at your sacrifices and think, wow, they must serve a wonderful God? Because, like, I mean, it's more like, is your God just a dog? that you just give leftovers to you, you give the dinner, you know, the scraps off the table, you know, you throw them to the dogs, you know, is, is that your God that you give him that very little bit? And, and, and he explains in this that not only are you giving me honor and you're giving me your best and, and we have a good relationship and I'm going to bless you. He says in that book, you know, I'm going to challenge you, you know, Judah, you bring in, you bring in the full tithe. You do what I asked you to do, and you're going to have blessings. You can't even, you can't even contain all the blessings. Your cup's going to run over so much that you can't even hold all the blessings. And but he says a part of that too, it's not just between you and I, Judah. The nations are going to look at what you are doing, and saying they serve, they serve God. They, they must serve the God of the universe, and then they will bow down and worship me too. You know, so it's just like, you cannot live a life half-hearted 
as a Christian. One, because that's not what God desires for us. He desires an intimate relationship with us. Uh, it's just like a, a marriage relationship or a friendship. If you just half butt, you know, your relationship, it's it's not going to work out. Right. Uh, you you got to give it your all. You've got to Absolutely. you have to work on it. So we have to in order to have a good relationship with God, we have to work. But those that we come in contact with are going to tell they're going to be able to tell something about your God when you live a certain way. Yeah. And it's it's going to show and we don't have any I mean we can look to the book of Proverbs. I mean, your life's going to live longer and you're going to be, you know, probably more wealthy and you're going to have all of these these things happen to you if, you know, if you live right and you're righteous and you, you do good and you land, you know, and, you know, all of this stuff. And it's just like the way that you live really is the first way that we are to teach others. Now, is that all we need to do? No, I don't think so. What do you think about that, Logan? Can we just, uh, perhaps maybe in an evangelistic way, can we only commit ourselves to lifestyle evangelism and never speak the gospel? Or, in the same vein, maybe it doesn't have to do with evangelism. Uh, can no, we teach a, someone to repent of sins by ourselves only abstaining from that sin? No, you can't. Um, what it is is what it boils down to. Um, and I think that this is what is my point with all of with this thought today. And if you're going to take one thing away, take this away. It's much more powerful if I'm living right and I'm doing things and you see that. Yeah. And you come to me and say, hey, what's different about you? I know there's something different. Or even if I come to you and say, hey, have you heard Jesus? You already know there's something different about me. Then, then if I'm blending in and being just a, another person, and I come to you and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? You're like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Because of the way I've lived. To answer your question, they, th th no, you can't just lifestyle evangelize because this word speaks, and we have to let it speak through us but that, I guess that's the idea, is we have to live right first. We have to teach by our life first and then by our words. Again, it's not only teach by your life, not by your words. Or just like it's don't judge or don't take that thing out of your eye. There's always a then do this. Yeah. Don't, don't judge so you won't be judged. When you do judge, judge right. Take the plank out of your eye so that you can see to take the, plank, the speck out of his eye. Live right so that you can preach the gospel correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great way of kind of summarizing the whole the whole idea here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's important for us to be, to aim to be that example, you know, and it does not matter. You know, we've talked about spiritual maturity and growing, but this is not something that you're going to, you'll only be good at when you're an old person, right? Yeah. Because Paul encouraged Timothy to not allow people to despise him for his youth, but be an example to all the believers, right? Even in his youth, he was, he was told, 
be an example to the believers in your conduct and your speech and you know all of those things that he lists there um we have an obligation to answer the call that god gives to us yeah. to pick up our cross deny ourselves yep. follow after him that's right and as we do uh we commit ourselves to doing kingdom work yep. uh, that means living the right way committing ourselves to to doing good uh, i love i'm trying to think exactly where it is in the book of acts and it was just like here's the summary of what jesus did uh you know he taught about the kingdom and he went around doing good yep i mean and that's what jesus did correct uh in in his life before that sacrifice that's the kind of person that Jesus would, was. Mm-hmm. He taught about the kingdom, and he went around doing good. And, uh, you know, that's what we are to do. Um, and we can share that good message of the gospel. And I think forgiveness is, again, a, a big part of this. Um, if ever we are placed in the difficult situation where we have to approach someone and say, Hey, I've noticed that, you know, such and such is maybe something that you're struggling with, right? Or, uh, you know, because of my great concern for you and because I love you, right? I have to tell you that, you know, the Bible does not teach that this is a good thing for you to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a very, it should be difficult for us to approach in a sense that, you know, there's a humility that comes behind it, but if we ever find ourselves in that in that place, I hope that we approach them with compassion and with with forgiveness, with a sincere love. Um, yep. You know the things that Paul wrote in First Corinthians, some pretty hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, just as he did with the Galatians. You know, but the things that he said, even in admonishment, um, you know, were said out of love. Correct. Uh, and I think that that's got to be central to all of this too. Absolutely. And that's my my final word on it. No, you're good, brother. Um, I, I this is a good topic. It's something I think that we need to have more prevalent in conversations. And again, it really this this a lot of this goes back to last week's episode of mindfulness. You know, being self aware. So I guess. If I could go back and change one thing about this episode, it would be saying self-aware as opposed to self-focused. Um, but uh, take, yeah, you know, is what it is. Interchange mindfulness part two yes. application. Yeah, I mean, this is a good part two for what we did. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed the episode today. Um, I'm I'm gonna leave it like that. You know, there you go. The lesson is yours. Hope you've taken something from today. Um, we're gonna be closed in prayer by Zach, and then he is going to also give us a servant spotlight. And uh, so we thank you for listening to the whole episode and hope you have a good rest of your week and weekend. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. And we, we thank you for this opportunity to discuss this, uh, this passage and the application, dear Lord. Uh, we ask that you will help us all uh, to follow after you, uh, to set the priorities that we need to set, uh, commit to them, um, and commit to doing your work uh, as Christians in this world. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for all of our listeners. We ask that you'll bless them, Lord. 
We thank you for Christ and his sacrifice for us, for the blessings of, of mercy and, and grace and all the spiritual blessings that we find in him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, the Servant Spotlight uh, this week goes to uh, Tyler Jenkins. Uh, he's a, a friend of mine. We haven't stayed in, in very good contact recently, uh, but uh, he organized and he sort of founded a, a men's retreat, uh, and it took place this past weekend. I, unfortunately, was an, unable to go to it. We, I had some other plans uh, with some church members here. Um, but uh, the whole goal uh, behind his retreat, his campaign, uh, is to build up uh, godly men. Uh, and so that's something to be, um, you know, recognized, I think. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of other uh, great resources that are all about building up godly men. Uh, and uh, so I think that that reveals a servant heart on his part. Uh, in the desire to, to build up and edify uh, other Christian men. Uh, so Tyler, uh, appreciate your heart uh, being a servant, uh, seeking to, to build up your brethren in that way. Uh, so the Servant Spotlight goes to him. Uh, again, thank you so much for watching or listening today. Hope everybody has a great week.